Good morning. I want to welcome you to Memorial United Methodist. We've got a number of things we're going to talk to you about before the service gets started, so we're going to go ahead and go. Number one, if you do not have a bulletin, uh, make sure, uh, please go to the back and get one. We've got some content today uh, that we want you to have uh, in the midst of the service. It's not an order of worship, but it's things that you need to have in the, um, in the midst of the service. Please head back there and get that. If anyone has prayer concerns today, you can raise your hand and um, we'll give you a note card. If you'll write on that note card um, legibly, if you'll print, um, we'll read that prayer card during the service and also it will be prayed over um, on Tuesday during our prayer group meeting and be part of our prayer life throughout the week. Um, so if you'll raise your hand now, our ushers will bring you a card. Regarding our church calendar, we've had a couple near misses and some collisions lately. And um, as we get bigger, that's only going to become uh, more important to nail down. So if you have an event that you would like to be anywhere in this building, I'd like you to email our secretary, Beth, and let her know. Um, our administrator at Buncombe Street had a policy. We'd walk past him in the hallway, and we'd say, hey, can I have the parlor next Friday at 5 p.m.? And he'd go like this. Mm -mm 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 -mm. La, 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 la. He'd say, email me and put in the subject line uh, calendar for the building and then tell me what it is and tell me what time and tell me when you need it. And we're going to uh, get very serious about our calendar so that we make sure that we don't have any collisions like that. Um, that being said, this Saturday is crazy. It's fun. We've got some fun things that we're going to do. The first thing that's happening Saturday is uh, Adam Wycliffe. In his fun run, he's going to tell us about it. signing the attendance pad when he called me up here. My bad. How are y'all doing today? Good, good. Who loves pies? Good. All of you who raise your hand need to sign up for next Saturday's Run for the, pie, Run for the Pies 5K. Uh, the Soup Kitchen, you can put your hand on now. <laughs> uh, the Soup Kitchen, we have some great events coming up uh, next weekend. Uh, it's going to be incredibly busy. Yeah, we had to actually move our our run to the parking lot over here at McCleskey Todd because there's another festival happening here for Greer Relief. Is there a holiday fair? Yeah, but I'll get to that. Okay, you get to that. I just want to make sure to let them know it's different. Mm -hmm. So on Saturday, starting at um, uh, 10 o'clock, over in the McCleskey Todd parking lot, we'll be having the first Run for the Pies 5K. It benefits the Greer Soup Kitchen as well as Greer Step. That's the shelter that we're constructing over on Poinsett Street. On Sunday, uh, Sunday afternoon at 2 o'clock, we have the Merle State Hunger Walk. Merle was a member here at Memorial, and we have a number of people uh, who volunteer at the Soup Kitchen and also on the board at uh, Daily Bread Ministries who, um, who will be participating in this walk. So this is an annual walk from the uh, parking lot right outside the FLC to the Soup Kitchen. It's a very meaningful walk. Last year we got a lot of rain. It was really cold. This year, I promise, no rain it won't be cold. It'll be a beautiful 75 to 80 degree day. So show up, okay? Um, I, I do have one more thing, though, before I sit down. Um, about a, a little over a year ago, we broke ground on STEP. That's a shelter to empower people. And this church has been a tremendous contributor to construction for that, uh, that facility. And I'm happy to announce that 
as of about, about a week ago, we've raised money that we need to finish major construction on STEP. So this is a huge thing for us. We're still, uh, of course, raising money for operations, furniture. Um, you probably know you need furniture in a place to live to be complete. But for the actual construction of STEP, we have finished raising money for that. It was a major capital project, and we have you to thank for it. So thank you so very much. In the FLC Saturday from 10 to 4 is the holiday fair to benefit Greer Relief. There's going to be all kinds of amazing vendors here in our uh, uh, gym from 10 to 4 p.m. this Saturday. And the posters around the church will tell you about Don Shapke. Uh, his, the first of three concerts you see on the posters is this Saturday night in the sanctuary at 730. I'm going to call up Alexander George to speak to us. He's our good news of the week. Um, the troop that is in our um, house right here uh, continues uh, to grow and build and do great things. Eagle Scout uh, from the troop, and Alexander's going to tell us who, what, when, where, and why regarding his Eagle Scout. First off, I would like to thank the church for inviting me and allowing me to come speak today. My name is Alexander George from Troop 107, and I am an Eagle Scout. My Eagle Scout project was that I built four picnic tables for Rookie Mountain Science Center. One of those tables is handicapped, so you can pull a wheelchair up to one of those sides. Um, all these tables were built at the Rock House, as you mentioned, uh, behind the church. So the purpose of these tables was to uh, provide a space for friends and family and anyone who visits the Science Center to eat and have a good time. Um, through this project, I learned a good deal about leadership and how to cooperate in tough situations. Um, once more, I'd like to thank the church for allowing me to come speak. Glad to have you. Congrats. The troop has asked us for more opportunities around our church uh, for Eagle Scout projects. So if y'all are aware of things like that, we're going to be in discussions to continue a great relationship um, building that with the troop. And we're grateful to y'all, grateful for y'all being here. Thank you. Um, I don't know that there are any more announcements other than we are now going to a new technology for our slides, one that we can uh, collaborate on. And so it may take us a couple services to work out. There may be some glitches. Um, but it's towards the end of us all being able to collaborate with them throughout the week uh, rather than us all sending it uh, to Andrew and him having to put it all together. So we're um, grateful for the technology, and if it fails us, uh, we will still worship God with scripture and song. How about that? Okay. Let's uh, turn our hearts to the Lord. Hey, guys, if y'all would stand and let's worship the Lord together. blood and righteousness I dare not trust the sweetest frame 
but wholly trust in Jesus' name. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust in Jesus' name.
Let the poor say, I am rich because of what the Lord has done for us. Give thanks. We give thanks. If you would turn and greet your neighbor and Children, please come forward for the children's sermon. Good morning. How is everybody? Good. Let me read you a Bible verse before we get started this morning. This comes from Mark chapter 12, and it's two verses, 43 and 44. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, she gave out of her poverty. She put in everything all she had to live on. So every week during our church services, we use this that I brought with me this morning. What did I bring up here? Do you know what this is called? An offering plate, right. So our ushers walk up when we collect the offering, and what do they do with this plate? That's right. So they go up and down the aisles here and in our sanctuary and they pass it up and down every single row right and people are able to put their offerings to God in the plate so there are a few things in this plate already this morning what do you see in here okay what kind of money what do you see okay there's some bills what are these in the bottom pennies Yeah, a dollar coin, that's right. So some people may put in their offering in an envelope. Some people may put in loose bills like this or loose change like this. It all kind of looks different. Who do you think gives the most money? Is it the person who puts in their money in an envelope or the person who drops in these bills or the person who puts in these pennies, the coins that go to the bottom of the basket? Well. We really can't be sure. And there's a story in the Bible from the verse that I read you earlier when we got started that talks about that. One day Jesus went to the synagogue and he sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put. And he watched the people put their money in. Hold on just a second, okay? We're almost done and then you can show her. So he watched them put their money in the treasury. Many of them were rich, and they put in very large sums of money. Then a poor widow came by, and she put two small copper coins 
in, which were worth a penny, which is one of those small coins in our offering plate this morning. Jesus called his disciples to him, and he told them, this poor widow has put in more money than all of those others who gave to the treasury. They gave out of their wealth, but she, she gave all that she had. I heard a story a long time ago about a little boy who went to church one Sunday morning to get out of the cold. So it must have been cold then like it is this morning. He sold newspapers to make money, but that morning he hadn't had a single customer. So that meant he hadn't sold a single paper. So he came in the church through the back door after the service had started, hoping that he wouldn't be noticed and that he could just stay inside for the hour that the church service lasted and warm up for a little bit. Well, the preacher gave a really powerful sermon telling the people in the church that morning about Jesus and how much he loved each and every one of them. And at the end of the service, they took an offering, just like we do. The ushers went from row to row to row till they finally came near the little newspaper boy in the very back. The usher stopped right in front of the little boy and held out the offering plate. The boy stared at the offering plate and then he asked the usher to do something unusual. He asked the usher to place the offering plate on the floor in front of him. And the little boy stepped into the offering plate, first one foot and then the other. And he slowly looked up at the usher with tears falling down his face. And he said, Mr. I don't have any money. I haven't sold a single newspaper today, but if Jesus did everything that the preacher said he did for me, then I'll give my life to him. Now, I don't know if this story really happened or not, but I do know that God wants us to do that. He wants our all, no matter what it is, no matter if it's coins or if it's, it's okay, we're almost done. If it's coins or if it's something we can do in service and love to him. So remember these pennies in our offering plate? Maybe they were the greatest gift. If that's all we have to give and we give it, then that's the greatest gift we could give. Will you say a prayer with me this morning and then you can show your mom your finger? Okay. Dear Father, like the widow in the story we heard this morning, help us to give all that we have to you. We know that all we have comes from you. In your name we pray. Amen. to pray for Lee Radline who broke her arm. We want to pray for her. We want to pray for Miss Ann Dobson um, who has had a stroke but I believe they, um, as best I can tell, they caught it quickly and did the medication, you know, like you want to do and uh, she's recovering at uh, Greenville Memorial um, and uh, Reese Hannon had a concussion in the football game yesterday. Um, he had one just not too long ago and uh, got one again. He says it's not as bad this time, but I, I know being close together. Uh, so we want to be in prayer for them and, and um, any others that are on your hearts and minds. Let us pray together. Gracious God, as our frail bodies interact uh, with this challenging world, 
we experience uh, illness, we experience disease, we experience setbacks, we experience uh, progress, and we are grateful for that. We take a moment to celebrate caring doctors and nurses who um, pour their hearts into the people that we love. We're grateful for the families that surround our loved ones, and we ask that as a church family, we may surround them with our love. Be with us this morning as we open your text, as we understand the um, passion, the desire of the Samaritan to reach out uh, to a man in desperate need. And as we discuss generosity, purpose, meaning in this life, help us, Lord, to do it in your name. Inspire us this morning, Lord, as we pray the prayer your Son taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So we continue in a series. Uh, this is actually the last day of a book that we've been reading, The Five Practices of Fruitful Congregations. Regardless of the size of a church, if you are um, practicing these um, uh, five phrases to the best of your ability, then you should be impacting your community. So we are doing our best, uh, really right now, just to name them. But as we name them and as we think about them throughout uh, 2016, we're going to be trying to uh, really build on them and make this church the best it can possibly be. So today we're talking about extravagant generosity. So um, Bishop uh, Schnazy, when he wrote the book, he had the five words that were critical to a church, but he put a word in front of every single one of them to really emphasize it, extravagant generosity. So with that in mind, we're going to look at... Um, Luke 10, verse 25. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Let's look at the first phrase. Let's emphasize some phrases here. An expert in the law. No doubt he's put a lot of effort into it. No doubt he has a great deal of wisdom on the subject. No doubt people like him are critical. Think about times that you need an expert in the law in whatever field that you are. The latest time we, I, my family needed that was um, real estate law. We had a person that had um, undisclosed water damage in the basement and a whole lot of stuff that was going to happen in that basement, and it wasn't disclosed to us. And so this expert helped us a great deal, helped us fix it. When you need an expert and you call on someone and they know exactly what they're talking about, whether it's taxes or whether it's real estate or whether it's criminal or whether it's uh, family, whatever it may be, it's critical that they know what they're talking about. And we'll celebrate that. But in this particular case, there's a couple things about being an expert um, that, uh, regardless of your age, 
you can consider yourself an expert on the subject. And when you consider yourself an expert, this is what you're doing. Your hand is raised, your mouth is ready, and your ears are closed. Okay, that's your posture. And I've seen it in any number of settings. Um, I love, love, love doing weekly chapel with the CEP kids. We have two of them, one with the really little guys and one with the bigger kids. And they come in and they're ready to share something with me, period. I want to tell you something. And I want to tell you now. And I've got my hand raised, I'm ready. So, um, you know, four-year-old, that's fine. You know, you're four, we're learning. 27-year-old, you know, we probably should have moved past uh, that model of hand raised. I'm already, I already know what I'm going to say. My mouth is ready to say what I want to say. My ears, mm, all done. I don't have to say anything. Here's another phrase I want you to focus on. He says, what must I do? This is a thing that human beings do. In any field, what do I have to do to earn it? But then they apply it to their relationship with God. What do I have to do to earn something that God is giving me? What mistakes are, uh, are, are going to happen when you do that sort of thing? Well, number one, so much of it is a generous, generous gift. But number two, when you're asking yourself, what do I have to do? You are also wondering, has this person done enough? Has this person done enough? Then you start determining where people stand, um, you know, uh, tomorrow, maybe this afternoon, there'll be an AP top 25 of college football teams based on what happened yesterday. And people will argue over whether someone should be where they are based on what they just did. That's fine. But when human beings do it with one another, especially in terms of the relationship with God, we're making a mistake. The other, the other mistake we make when we say, what must I do, is you're, are you asking, what's the pinnacle of everything I'm capable of? Of course, the opposite is what? What's the minimum I have to do here to get this thing done? What's the minimum possible I have to do in order to get into heaven? That's what he's saying. So give you a third phrase. Jesus almost always answers a question with a question. He says, I'll tell you what, expert, what's written in the law? You know everything about the law. What's written in the law? Well, who in the world understands the law but for just a couple of these people, the ones who are reaching out to Jesus to test him and make sure he makes a mistake? I, I think what's interesting is what he says isn't complicated. You know how extensive the law is in the Old Testament? You're not working with the New Testament. The New Testament doesn't exist. You're looking at the uh, Old Testament as the text of these people, and the law is extensive. But what the expert in the law says in response to that question is, love your neighbor, love your God with your whole heart. I think that's fascinating. It's consolidated down. Let's look at the scripture again. Verse 28. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who's my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, 
beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. So what phrase jumps out in that text? First of all, he wanted to justify. You're going to hear me, as long as I'm here, you're going to hear me talk about grace. And you're going to hear me talk about the specific types of grace that are critical to the life of the United Methodist Church. The first one is provenient. God loves us before we've done a thing. Before we've ever done a thing, God loves us. But we can accept it or we can reject it. If we accept it, then we're justified, okay? But that, just, that being justified is a gift from God. Does that mean? There we go. The text says he wanted to justify himself. He wanted to say, this is why I've done what I need to do in order to be accepted by you. He's loved with his whole heart, but he's loved particular people with his whole heart. And so what he wants to know is, okay, you want me to love people, you want me to be generous uh, to my neighbor. Who exactly is my neighbor? Can we put some parameters on this? And when we put parameters on it, can you do the least amount possible? Because that would be great. Because that will take the least effort. The other thing I notice in this text is the rule of three. How many times in... Uh, see, my, um, my dad's a joke teller. I'm not. I can't. I, I'm, you've got to remember the details. You've got to hit the details on the spot. And you've got to make sure that you set it up and you, and you nail it. I, I really just make observations about things that I see that I think, are, I think are rather funny. Katie will say, there's no one funnier to you than you. <laughs> and in fact, when she'll say things to me and I'll laugh hard, she'll say, you knew you said that, right? And I'll like, no, I forgot that I said that. But I think it's hilarious. But the great thing, that, the thing that you want in any good joke is three. If you look in the Bible, when you're looking at these stories, notice that there's always three things. I mean, it's not a joke, but there's always three things. What... He was attacked by, and they, only, and they get worse, typically, in a parable. He was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and leave him, left him, went away, leaving him half dead. It's not enough just to take his stuff. They took his clothes and left him half dead. Now, the strange thing is, I've been lucky enough to go to Israel twice. I went with my ordination class, and I went with a group from Buckham Street. It took about 40 of them. And when you are leaving Jerusalem, it is a uh, straight down. And, um, uh, you know, above Jerusalem sort of plush and green, and Jerusalem's busy, there's hardly a tree. And then after Jerusalem, it is straight desert. I mean, desert. Two minutes outside of Jerusalem. And it's a hill straight down. And on the way back up, our bus broke down. On the way from Jerusalem to Jericho. And we looked at each other like, seriously? Our, road, our, our bus is breaking down on the road from Jerusalem to Jericho? This guy is on this path that a number of people take. And it can't be a safe path if a number of people are taking it. But it's a path that he has to take based on what he wants to do, based on where he wants to go. And he's left there with nothing. Let's look at verse 31. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. So they see the guy, and you know, they're mm -mm, going wide around it. 
two words I want you to consider when we're looking at that. The first word is safe. You know, it just makes more sense to go wide of a person that doesn't have any clothes on, that looks like something weird is happening. You just, you know, you're just going to go around them. Um, I had not thought about it in 15, maybe 20 years until I was reading this text this week that my mother, when we were going down the interstate, we're going 80 miles an hour. And if she saw someone walking along the interstate, she'd reach over and lock the door. (laughs) Like he's going to latch on and open the door and pull us all out. Uh, She would always say it's because, you know, it just brought to mind, but that was just always funny to us. If, you know, you see something on the road, you you know, let's get around. That's not the critical point here. The critical point is the second word, and that's clean. If we want to be close to God in this era, in religious leadership and following uh, the religious leadership, the number one way that you want to get close to God is to remain clean. And you can't remain clean if you're going to address this individual. And so y'all have heard me say a number of times when somebody does something selfish or hateful, just on their own, you just say, well, you know, that's humanity. That's sort of what we do on a small scale and a large scale. But when someone does it in the name of God, it can be, eh, yeah, it can be bad. So he wants to say, clean in the name of God. I'm going to walk around you in the name of God. I'm going to avoid having any contact with you, having any sort of uh, uh, interaction, because if I touch you, I'm going to be unclean. If I'm unclean, then I can't lead the people. Did Jesus follow that model? In no way, shape, or form. Jesus was the total opposite. And in fact, he was so much the opposite that the religious leadership that would have walked around to remain clean said, there's no way you can be the Son of God because you're not following our what? Law. You're not following our complicated law of cleanliness. Fascinating. Verse 33. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I'll reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. He's on that dangerous road, too. He's given up his ride, too. He's given up the money that he had in his pocket, too. Why? He believes in it. It's something that needed to be done. Now, the question is whether he's doing it in the name of God. Sometimes you'll see people much friendlier doing much more powerful things that aren't doing in the name of God than people are doing hateful things in the name of God goofy. It's terrible. But he reaches out to that man and says, I'll give you my ride, I'll take you there, and innkeeper, if you have any additional costs, would you, if you took someone to a hotel, in fact, we just had the candidacy retreat here, I had 21 candidates for ministry, we put them up in the Holiday Inn Express, and the conference paid for their bill, we didn't say to those candidates, we didn't say to the hotel, uh, and if they charge anything else, we got that too. What did we say? This, right here. You see this? You understand what this means? We're paying for their room. Done. They can put a card on their room. It says, if anything else. Of course, 
The scandalous part of this text is Jesus tells this story to people who hate Samaritans, who would find Samaritans to be unclean, who would, find, who would think Samaritans are the total opposite of what we want to be. So Jesus tells people who would love the priest and the Levite, the priest and the Levite walked around wide and didn't do a thing, and tells people who would not embrace in a million years a Samaritan, a Samaritan's the one that did it. Let's look at our quote of the day from, uh, from the book. I learned the word replete this week. Y'all ever use replete? Scripture is replete with examples and teachings that focus on possessions, wealth, giving, gifts, generosity, offerings, charity, sacrifice, and sharing with those in need. Giving is central to Jewish and Christian practice because people perceive God as extravagantly generous, the giver of every good gift, the source of life and love. People give because they are serving a giving God. That provenient grace that went before, God was generous before you ever knew there was a God. A justifying grace, accepting the love that God offers, and the third one is sanctifying grace. How am I going to respond to that? And continually try to be in that image with what I say and what I do, what I do not say and what I do not do in the name of God. Finally, verse 36 says, Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell in the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, The one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, Go and do likewise. Let us pray. Gracious God, if we were to consider the options, the reasons why we would not help someone, we might say exhaustion. We just cannot help another person. So we cannot help one more person do one more thing. We might say we don't have the skills. We might say we don't have the resources. We might say we were wondering if you have helped us the way that we would like to be helped. Lord, help us to understand that you have been generous before we ever existed, while we are here, and long after we're gone. Part of your generosity is our responding to those in need, to our neighbor, reaching out to them in every way. Inspire us, Lord. Teach us. Be patient with us as we try to respond to your amazing grace. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Before we have our offering, I'm going to call on Tyler Mays. He's part of our um, lineup of speakers who would talk to us about New Consecration Sunday. And uh, I'm always interested in what Tyler has to say and how he says it. It makes me smile. Um, about a month ago, Mary Lee cornered me here in the gym and started talking about Consecration Sunday. And she talked about more than that, but that's what I heard. And I said, well, Mary, I'm always out of town celebrating Thanksgiving on our Consecration Sunday before Thanksgiving. And her basic answer to me was, well, that's, that's okay, Tyler. I don't need you that Sunday. I need you one of the prior three Sundays. So at that point, I had no choice but to say yes. And she said, here's the deal. She's like, 
you're the first person that I've gotten to commit, so you can choose which week you want. And I thought about our weekends, and I'm like, you know, the last weekend would be best for me. But the prior two weeks, we have gotten to listen to Terry and Kyle, and they've done an absolute fantastic job. And had I known that then, I would have chosen the first week to go. Um, in fact, I think they've done such a good job, the, the two things that I know you'll remember about me is you're like, that guy talks slow and he has a long southern drawl. Um, growing up, I guess in my preteen and early teenage years, we had about a 20-minute ride to school, and my dad carried me, and he was famous probably about two or three mornings out of each week to give me what he called awareness talks. And I consider those lectures. I really didn't want to hear it when I was that age. But looking back, that we have, and some we're probably not aware that we have. Um, and here at this church, I think God has blessed us both directly and indirectly for being good stewards. Um, obviously, we have a great place for worship, Christian education, fellowship. We have people here to celebrate with, to mourn with. Um, we support local, state, national, and world missions. And all these have a direct cost that we can, we can put on, you know, an, I guess an exact cost about having this. But on the total other side, there's a, there's a lot of stuff that we do here and are able to do that we really can't put an, a cost on. Um, I've thought about the past few years here at church and some things that I've seen our stewardship provide. First off, um, we have children here learning about God. We have people that are willing to plant the seed so they can learn to know, feel, and love God. Um, our children and youth just this past year did the Ellen Project where we adopted a precious little girl from Uganda, and we have provided her now with education and necessities for life until she reaches adulthood. Children have done Christmas projects such as decorating pillowcases for children with cancer here in the Greenville area. Our youth, um, I think some this summer, served breakfast at the Triune Mercy Center. They went to Salkahatchee and reached out to people in need in the local Piedmont and upstate area this summer. We have Sunday school classes even like next week that are delivering Thanksgiving meals to people that need that. We, they adopt families at Christmas serving the soup kitchen. We have members going to the Red Bird Mission in Kentucky. Um, we've all come together for two of Leanna Morris's projects, the Heart Project and raising the funds to build a church in Pakistan. 
And it's all because of our time, talents, abilities, and gifts have allowed us to do these things. So ultimately, we receive God's grace through Christ, and our humble stewardship is one gift that we can give back to God. Maybe this week, if you have a chance, you can read the 8th and ninth chapter of Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, and we can all learn about giving generously, cheerfully, and joyfully. So with that being said, as we enter our final week before Consecration Sunday, would you please join me in asking God to guide you in the, in the all-important personal spiritual question and answer of what you feel called to willingly and cheerfully give during this next year. Whatever amount that may be, I certainly believe the members, leaders, and staff of Memorial will be good stewards of what vision God has entrusted us with for the next year and beyond. Thank you. I'm going to call on your finance chair. Kevin Duncan is going to go through a chart that's in your bulletin. If you don't have a bulletin, raise your hand and we'll bring you one. I think this uh, part uh, can be informative. I think it can be uh, uncomfortable to people. I think people can say, you know, I don't know about money in church. I'm telling you how much money is discussed in Scripture and how much the stuff we obsess about during the week is discussed in Scripture is the total opposite. And that's going to... Uh, change in my time here. Good morning. I guess I can, uh, I, I chuckled back there when Tyler began his uh, talk because it uh, seemed eerily similar how uh, you were approached just like I was approached by Mary Lee. So <laughs> She's good at what she does. Um, if you, uh, as Joe said, if you, if you need a pencil, I know some ushers have pencils available. And what we're going to go through, kind of put in layman's terms, is a breakdown of our congregation's giving. Um, and this is through um, October, so I mean this is, this is very accurate. And what you'll see at the bottom is it represents 260 families that are members of the church, and that could be singles or couples. Um, and we do exclude children, college students, and members that are in the nursing home or assisted living. And this is within a 20-mile radius of Greer. Um, so this is going to be a group effort. We're going to go through the steps. Um, one thing as I prepare for consecration, I always think about, um, as Tyler said, the lessons that, uh, it's kind of funny, maybe we should have shared notes, Tyler, but I think about the lessons my dad bestowed in me, and he was one of my mentors, and still is one of my mentors when it comes to biblical principles. But one of the things he always used to tell me as a child is, God has given you everything, and he has blessed you with so many gifts, and all he wants from you, son, is pennies on the dollar. So as we think about that, as we go through these steps, um, as you see there, we're going to go to the steps. You see zero in that column for zero dollars a week. I want you to put the number 81. From one cent to 4.99, I want you to put... 23. From $5 to $9.99, it's 10. From 10 to $19.99, it's 21. From 20 to $20.99, is 29. 
from 30 to 39.99 is 19. From 40 to 49.99 is 20. The next step, 50 to 74.99 is 29. The next step, 75 to 99, is 11. From 100 to 149 is 15. From 150 to 199 is 3. And then $200 and up per week is 1. We have a very gracious and generous church, as Tyler mentioned, and we all have talents, time that we can give the church. And when we think about sacrifice, I don't think a sacrifice is being painful. But when it comes to stewardship and sacrifice, when it comes to tithing, think of it that it's drawing you spiritually closer to God. And one of the verses I love to look at when I think about tithing and one of the ones, again, like I said earlier, that my dad gave me is Malachi 3.10. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. If you look at this chart and you think about it, we're asking, will you grow one step this year? And even taking it a little bit deeper, some of these steps, say going from $40 to the next step or $75 to get to the next step, is sometimes not feasible. But what I'm looking at it, my family's looking at it, and I hope that this congregation will look at it, is where within that step can we get closer to that next step? And think of it this way, I try to break it down as real as possible. From $5 to $10 a week, what if you bought one less Starbucks a week? Or for me, what if I bought one less six-pack of craft beer? Probably save me some calories, too. So think of giving. When I think of giving, it brings a sense of meaning joy and spiritual growth in my relationship with God that nothing else does. I believe in stewardship. Financial giving enables a church to do what God calls it to do, to help people and serve Christ. And financial stewardship helps individuals, Christians, to grow spiritually. So this week, I want you to look at this chart and I want, to find, I want you to find where you and your family are on this chart. And I want you to prayerfully consider during this week as we prepare for Consecration Sunday what God is calling you to give with a cheerful heart. Lord, he will continue to provide for this church. And I know if we give cheerfully and we give sacrificially, that this church will continue to do great things in this community and in this world. Thank you. Thank you, Kevin. And if y'all have any further questions about that chart, you, you can certainly call the church office and uh, ask us. Um, if you have not yet had a reservation for uh, the dinner next week, the celebration dinner, if you'll raise your hand, and our usher will bring you uh, one of the cards. 
if we uh, we want to do that because we're going to call you if, if we don't if we don't know either one way or the other. And it, it, we just need to know one way or the other whether you're coming. It's complicated. Normally on the fifth Sunday we would have one service. We have five Sundays this month, but it's not going to be on the fifth Sunday. It's going to be on the fourth Sunday, which is next Sunday, the twenty second. There will be how many services? One service. It'll be in the sanctuary. It'll be at 10 o'clock, and we will um, bring forward our um, uh, estimates of giving towards the campaign for next year. We'll then come in here, and there'll be a celebration dinner, and we'll talk about how many um, estimates we were able to get in for the year. Um, so next Sunday, there is one service. It's at 10 a.m. in the sanctuary, and then we'll come in here for uh, dinner. So now our ushers are going to come forward, and we'll give our uh, tithes and other offerings. What can I give to you? What can I offer to a king for all the love you've shown? For all your mercy over me, I called your name, you heard my cry. Thank you, God, for 
with us, please. Praise Him, all 
PowerPoint did okay today, didn't she? She did what we wanted her to do. There's one service next week. One. It's at 10 a.m. It's in the sanctuary. I knew uh, two months ago, looking at the 45 days that ended just yesterday, that I had too much from the district and the conference. But it's over now. It's over as of yesterday. And I've been a little hazy lately, honestly, with church work. Um, But I'm back. And uh, I'm going to be back laser-focused on... um, all our services, all our people, and doing what we can do to make this church the best it can be. Go in peace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the power of God, the mercy, the presence, the love of the Holy Spirit go with you all. Amen. Start a fire in my soul.